This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Number 140 is off and running. The 140th edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast 225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Got a good one in store for you today. We're going to talk again with Detective Tom Lang, one of the lead investigators in the O.J. Simpson murder trial. As most of you know, the juice is set to be loose next week as we sit to record this show. He is expected to be released from the detention center in Nevada, and that is going to happen next week on the 1st, 1st of October. And so... As you know, the OJ hysteria will kick up again, and the murder trial of of the mid-90s is going to be rehashed, and then the civil trial is going to be rehashed, and then what happened in Vegas that put Simpson behind bars for 90 years, 90, for some people probably would like that, for nine years is absolutely going to be talked about even more next week, and there are so many questions. Will OJ Simpson join Twitter Will he be on Instagram or Facebook? Who's going to get the first post-incarceration interview with Simpson? What will he say about being on the inside? What about the Goldmans? What's going to be their response to him getting out of prison and once again being in front of the public? So there is a lot to talk about there, and we'll see how it plays out. Detective Tom Lang is joining us today because he participated in a one-hour special, a 48-hour special that is going to air on Saturday, September 30th, as we sit and put this show together. And it talks about the Simpson, I, I've been using the word saga, but it just it, it seems appropriate, the Simpson saga. So that conversation with Detective Lang is on the way shortly. As we always tell you, if you're listening to our show via iTunes, leave us a review there or give us a star rating when you're there, not just this show, but also the Waiting Room podcast. We appreciate all of the feedback we get from you. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or on Facebook. And you can send me an email directly through the podcast 225 site. That email address is clay at podcast225.com. So, unless you're living under a rock, you know now that the National Football League is really at the center of this political tug of war. I'm going to say this because I want to address it. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Everybody is talking it to death. I think players should stand for the national anthem. If I was in the NFL, if if I were a player on a team, I would stand for the anthem. I think wanting the public to address issues that happen in our society is admirable and necessary. 
I think a discussion about ways that we can improve our education system, ways that we can make certain that people and communities have an opportunity to be gainfully employed, and as I said, get an education or be safe in their own homes, I think those are discussions we can absolutely have. I think in the case of any police officer who has overstepped his or her bounds and broken the law, I think anybody, and, and I'm sure Detective Lang is going to agree, anyone who sees a cop breaking the law, I'm sure is of the same mind if, if they're a decent, honest person in saying they shouldn't be wearing a badge and depending on the crime, they ought to be in jail. But generalizing all police as being corrupt, in my opinion, is inaccurate and it isn't helpful. But I feel the same way about people who generalize every person in poor poor black communities as being criminals. That too is inaccurate and wrong and doesn't help anything. But I think the, the path that we are on right now does not lead to a solution. In my opinion, just one man's, I think it's leading to more division. And it's exhausting. Because I always ask, what's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Okay? What's the end game with all of this? How do we reach a solution where lives are impacted positively and things get repaired? I haven't seen it yet. I just see a bunch of emotional rhetoric that, in my opinion, leads to more divisiveness and people jumping on soapboxes, and I don't think it helps. I don't think the president should have gone as far as he did with his comments. I think some language is beneath the office of the presidency. I think, you know, he's a human. You say those things in closed circles, and, and you know, you say those things in, in, in your, in, among your private life and among your circle, but some things just, if you're in that position, you just shouldn't say it. Not like that. Having said that, I agree with his position that people should stand during the anthem. I don't think kneeling during the anthem accomplishes anything. However, I'm not going to, lose my mind over what these players are doing. I just, you know, I just won't. But I will ask, what is the goal? Now, I know that in society nowadays, when you disagree with people, man, they want to cut you to pieces because we all have to agree on everything. Wrong. We don't. Sometimes we're we're just going to be, we're going to have to be okay with agreeing to disagree on some things, especially as it relates to politics. On matters of decency and law and order, I think we should most likely agree that we should want communities to be safe. That we should want people who wear uniforms to be reputable people. I don't think you're going to find people who disagree with that. But again, what I saw last weekend was a combination of people who were trying to make a statement to say that unity is necessary and it is needed, and then I just saw a bunch of people just trying to be heard. But I'll say again, we spend so much time talking about racism, and there are people who on social media prove that racism still exists with things that they say and post. But what's the goal? 
how do we fix it? If the goal is to make certain that there are no more racists in society, that there are no more people who are able to walk around in public and hate other people. Really? Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to make things better for our children and for our communities. We absolutely should. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to deal with, with certain real inequities that exist. Like being able to get a job, being able to get a good education, being able to be safe. Those things we should, we should address. But, you know, again, I can go on and on about that. And it, I just hope that we can find our way to a solution that solves some of the real problems and bring us together as opposed to poking each other in the eye, which will only have the end result of just leaving everybody with hurt feelings. What did Gandhi say? An eye for an eye leaves the world blind. Pardon the pun, but it's starting to look that way, right? Okay, rant and ramble complete. <laughs> we'll take a quick break and come back and talk with Detective Tom Lang right here on The Clay Young Show. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, for our listeners who are in Houston right now, who are really dealing with the aftermath of Harvey, they need to give you a call. They really do. Um, the, the big question is, you know, how long do I wait before I can start, you know, remediation, yeah. of removing everything? Yeah. But the thing you need to do right now, before you do anything, is apply a product called Sterifab. Okay. And you may be wondering, well, why would I do that before I remove the sheetrock? And that's to prevent it from becoming airborne and for you inhaling it. Wow. So it's more of a health risk than anything. Okay. So we're looking at two products, Sterifab, Boracare. The manufacturers have worked with us. We're offering 20% off on that. So give us a call and let us figure out how much you need. Let's give that number a couple of times. 225-273-4788. Again? 225-273. 4788 and we'll help you figure out how much you need based on how much water you had and how much you're going to treat. Make the call today. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Back with Detective Tom Lang, who is co-author of the book Evidence Dismissed. Many of you are not a stranger to Detective Lang as you have known about his story concerning the O.J. Simpson saga and obviously for many of you, the three shows that we did here together. Tom, how are you, my friend? Good, good, Clay. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. We, we've we come through the other end of all of those hurricanes being around here, man. And it's, uh, you know, I shake yeah, my head every hammered. year. Yeah, we did get hammered. Yeah. Glad to hear everything's turning out okay, though, hopefully. Well, and, you know, we're hoping to just get to the end of November when all this stuff is over. But, 
Well, listen, I wanted to, to jump right in. Uh, you know, as as most of the country knows now, this OJ hysteria is about to start up again as he is expected <laughs> to be released in the next few days. And uh, you participated in, in something in advance of his release. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, we uh, I did a uh, show for uh, 48 hours. It will be aired on CBS this Saturday. <clears throat> I believe it's 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, regarding that, uh, regarding the lease, uh, release, he is expected to be out on Sunday the 1st. So I guess 48 Hours wanted to jump on that and in anticipation of that. And, of course, everyone is wondering what are going to be the terms of the uh, of the parole. You know, is he going to be granted permission to live in Florida? I'm assuming that he is. Uh, but I think uh, for the most part we don't really know what all of the terms are. And uh, that should be interesting to see what that is. What do you think will be the biggest adjustment that he's going to have to make after having spent nine years in prison? I don't know. I would, uh, I would imagine he'd be doing some, some thinking uh, about what he's going to do with the rest of his life and whether or not he wants to make his life an issue or not. If he wants to stay out of the public eye, if he wants to get back into it, frankly, I think his ego is too big regardless of what nine years in prison might have done. I honestly don't know, um, but I just think he has that narcissistic personality that even nine years in prison won't affect. So it'll be interesting to see what he decides on uh, what he's going to do with the rest of his life. With the 48-hour special that you did, what was some of the the stuff that y'all talked about? I mean, what what really was the basis for that that show? Well, it was some of it was a rehash. Some of it was going back over what's occurred over the past several years. Uh, they did highlight uh, my book, Evidence Dismissed, and we discussed a lot of the things in there that uh, uh, have not been out front. Many of those things uh, we've discussed with you over the last uh, month or so uh, that are in the book. Uh, concerns about um, how the case was handled. Uh, particular interest, I guess, a little bit to me was the fact that uh, 48 Hours wanted to uh, interview uh, Marcia Clark and Chris Darden, and they both declined the interview, which was a little strange. I didn't understand that, but I think perhaps that they've just had enough of this and that they want it to go away. I think the reality is, though, that it's not going to go away because uh, the media is not going to allow that to happen. But we did get into... Uh, a lot of things that uh, became issues because they weren't brought out during trial. Some were brought out during the uh, the civil civil trial, but there are so many things that people still question today, and uh, uh, those questions have never been answered. And again, we're going back 20 years. That's why we wrote that book, which is turns out to be uh, more relevant today almost than it was like 20 years ago. Absolutely it is. I actually watched a, a, a documentary last week that was mostly about the civil trial and one of the attorneys defending the Goldman family talked about how he wouldn't make some of the same mistakes the prosecution made in going after OJ in this civil judgment. We didn't talk a lot about the civil part of this, but what are your thoughts about the way that that went? Well, it was completely different. Uh, to begin with, jurisdictionally, it was out in Santa Monica. This is 
the the uh, area, the geographical area that uh, where the murders occurred and where a normal criminal trial would have been held uh, in Santa Monica. The uh, that was uh, you know the jury of his peers type thing and that jurisdiction. That's where it should have been. It should have been held. Uh, it was held downtown Los Angeles, I believe, for political purposes. Uh, and the excuse given was, well, it's too small in Santa Monica. There was earthquake damage and everything else. But it's still an active courthouse, and of course, that's where we had the civil trial. I think that's probably where the criminal trial should have been, also. But what you had there, you had a judge uh, in total control of the courtroom. Uh, there were no cameras allowed in the courtroom, uh, which was uh, the way to go because, again, we've talked about this in the past, that influences testimony, that influences witnesses. Uh, everybody's going to play to the cameras, especially the, the attorneys on both sides. You do not want cameras in the courtroom. You do want to preserve that on videotape. That's fine. But when you have cameras in the courtroom, you will influence the witnesses and you will influence evidence. So this judge said no cameras in the courtroom. He was in charge. He sent that message that he was in charge. The same went for the media. They had to follow the rules, just like everybody had to follow the rules. Uh, the judge did not let either side get out of control. He was in control. Uh, you also saw the, um, the uh, family's attorneys, uh, the Goldman's uh, attorneys, as well as... Uh, is uh, the Browns uh, take a different tact in uh, going after Simpson and that they actually put out much of the evidence that you didn't see in the criminal trial. And you'd think that that would be just the opposite. It should be turned around. You should see more. You should see everything in the criminal trial. There were so many things withheld in the criminal trial, and you saw much of those brought out in the civil trial. And one of those, of course, was the interview we did with Simpson, with all of these inconsistencies, uh, you had an attentive jury in the in the civil matter who actually listened, and they, when they listened, uh, they deliberated and they discussed these things, and they came back with their findings, and they said, "Yes, of course he did it." Uh, and they look at the fact that there's nothing exculpatory put on by anybody of any substance, and so you look at the evidence, you consider. Of course, there's a, a much less a uh, lower standard needed in civil court as there is in criminal, uh, which is fine, but it's still a, yeah, they looked at everything, and again, you heard evidence in that civil matter that you didn't hear in the criminal matter, uh, which was the basis, again, for this, for the book evidence dismissed. So I, I think uh, that was completely different. The, the, uh, the judge was in charge, the jury did their job, everybody kind of was held to, uh, held to their tell to a standard and uh, told what to do, and they did it. And uh, I think the uh, the jury reached the, the correct uh, decision. When you look at the the Vegas case that ended up putting Simpson in prison for nine years, there was evidence of rage and and an absence of control. Can you make a correlation between the premeditated nature of that day in Vegas? with what took place in California so many years before? Well, yeah, I think you saw the true Simpson. Um, I, I, he obviously didn't think things through. Uh, that's clear in the way he handled all of this. But that particular case, uh, it, you know, it could have gone sideways in a hurry. You had a couple of people with guns. But the fact is they didn't use those guns. They didn't even, uh, from what I understand, 
point the guns at anybody. Uh, and I've said it before that if they had brought in that case to the L.A. District Attorney, they never would have even filed it. Uh, clearly, you saw Simpson's personality, the way it truly is. Uh, the whole narcissism thing uh, came through. Uh, he didn't think. He just didn't think that thing through and, and uh, uh, probably felt uh, that uh, things would maybe turn out kind of the same way that, uh, that they did in Los Angeles. But things were handled differently. Again, in that, uh, in that trial, you had a judge in, in complete control. Now, whether this was payback or not, I mean, who knows? You don't never know what a person is thinking in the jury box or on the, you know, behind the bench. But that, that trial was handled completely different also. And, but again, for you can call it political reasons, I guess, but a district attorney is not going to file a case anywhere unless they, they stand a pretty, good, pretty damn good chance of, of, of obtaining a conviction. And that's especially true of the L.A. district attorney. They have to go to the voters with a very high conviction rate. They have to say, hey, I've got 92% or 94% conviction rate. And they're not going to take a chance on handling something like that, going in front of a jury and losing it. Do you ever see a day where Simpson owns up to what happened in Brentwood? I've heard people say, and I've read articles about people saying at some point he will admit that he did this. I don't know that I ever believe that. But what is your thought on people seeing that possibility come to fruition at some point? Well, Let's just put it out the way it is. I mean, Simpson is, in fact, a sociopath. Uh, you are not going to hear him roll over for anything. He's not going to uh, admit to doing any wrong. If you are truly sociopathic, or what I would call a high-level sociopath, you can go out in the, at high noon and say that it's dark and have someone really believe it. It's just not the way that he is. Uh, of course, when you're a sociopath, you're also very narcissistic. It's all about you. Um, if I say it, it must be true. I, I just don't ever think you're going to see anything. The closest he probably has come to that is that uh, that book that he wrote, If I Did It, which is kind of interesting, uh, just to play with people's minds, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I believe that there are different levels of sociopathy, and I believe he's at the very top. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to see him. Uh, certainly not confess and not even make an admission, which is less than a confession, but not even make an admission as to any complicity uh, in that in that particular uh, crime. He's going to point fingers in every direction but his own. That's the bottom line. Uh, you know, he went in into prison before really the 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 peak of this social media universe that. I don't know if that's really a good thing, to be honest with you. But now that he comes out, he's probably going to be on Twitter or some social media platform. I think that is a big recipe for disaster. Well, I agree. I think it is. And, and I don't think he really cares. Again, that narcissism is going to come out. Uh, he's going to say, hey, maybe I'm, you know, I'm still relevant. Did this, did this nine years in prison teach him anything? I, I, I doubt it. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's, he's not a young kid. You know, what, is he 70 now? 70. Uh, yeah, so he's not going to uh, roll over for any of this and say, hey, I've learned my lesson. You know, I'm very sorry if I have upset people's lives and everything. He doesn't really care about any of that. Uh, you know, you don't get cured of being a sociopath. I mean, you're born that way, you're going to be that way. That's just the way things are. And I think once he gets out, he's going to have the people who 
uh, the sycophants. He's going to surround himself with these folks. He's going to have the fawning media following him around all over him, and he's not going to be able to resist them. And you're going to have him involved in this and involved in that. Uh, again, and the media is going to eat it up. They'll just follow this guy around until he until he does something where they can make a story out of it. That's it's pretty sad that that's where we are today as a society. But that's exactly where we are. You got the uh, this uh, these shows on television that that highlight uh, so-called celebrities' lives and they follow them around. What's this one on? Uh, uh, with Harvey Levin. Oh my goodness! Uh, I saw that. I saw a preview for that the other day. Yeah, he's he's out there following these people around. I've known Harvey for a long time. He's always been that way. Uh, anything for a story, uh, you know, the hell with people's privacy or anything else, regardless of their celebrity. So these these people are going to be very active. They they're going to be all over Florida looking for this guy and following him around. And will that prompt him into doing something? I don't know if he. If it will or not, uh, but you can guarantee something is going to happen one way or the other, and they're going to be all over it. You know, when you look back at at everything that happened with that trial and the dialogue then compared to now with all of these divisions and some of the silliness that's happening in society right now, you know, somebody like that could come out and really be an accelerant to even more division in this country. Certainly. Yeah, we've seen that very recently. You've got... This NFL business, and yep. and you know the president says one thing, and that he probably shouldn't, and the NFL tops that by doing something they probably shouldn't, and then right. it's back to him. It's like a tennis match, right? And they're both shooting way over the net, and it's, there's no reason for any of it. Right. It's all silliness. Well, one of the other things I wanted to get into today is without getting into the details of the project that you're working on, people should know that in addition to evidence dismissed there could be other cases that you have been a part of that could be highlighted in other literary projects. Yeah. In other words, I'm writing another book. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I am. I, I, uh, I partnered up uh, with my old partner in the original case on the Laurel Canyon murders that occurred on July the 1st of 1981 uh, in the Hollywood Hills, and uh, they call the Wonderland uh, murders. Uh, the title of the book is going to be Malice in Wonderland. <laughs> and it's our story, what really happened. That book has never been written. Uh, so we've been spending several months putting this thing together uh, from our notes. And we have a lot of them uh, in this particular case. And uh, we hope to have this thing published in another month or two. Uh, there is a special coming out documentary it did in january hopefully it's on the oxygen network on a uh, 13 part series that the nbc universal is doing highlighting this particular case um and it's a very interesting case it's it involves uh, organized crime and uh, the porn actor john holmes was involved in this and five people got their heads beat in four died one lived and a payback for a robbery of an organized crime figure in Los Angeles. It's, the story itself is is very interesting, but it goes deeper, and we go deeper in the book because it uh, we uncover all sorts of corruption that goes to judges being bought off, jurors being bought off, politicians being bought off, cops being bought off, and federal agents being brought off. we got false allegations uh, against us for being in bed with organized crime. This thing went on for 20 years. 
20 years. Wow. And some of the things that happened, I tell people today, because they still talk to cops, and I see a lot of them, we talk about old cases, some of the officers on the job today weren't even born back then, and I tell them these things, and they look at me like, you can't be serious. Well, you look at these things today, how can these things possibly happen, this this deep-seated corruption, when you can actually go into a multi-murder trial in a high-profile case and buy a juror off right, right under everybody's nose, and things go sideways for that juror, and people end up getting shot, and money doesn't get where it's supposed to get. Meanwhile, a judge gets bought off in another case. We have uh, politicians involved uh, who's... Uh, I'll give you one real, real quick one here. Okay. We've got federal indictments on a bunch of organized crime figures, and one of them is being represented uh, by a local attorney here. Uh, meanwhile, he is charged federally with, for arson, arson for hire charges in several cases uh, throughout Southern California and over in Vegas. And there's a U.S. task force investigating this case, Part of the task force, because of the arsons, happens to be the Los Angeles City Fire Commission. Uh, investigators are part of the task force, and they're investigating this organized crime figure. Well, the organized crime figure is being represented by a criminal attorney out here who happens to be the president of the Los Angeles City Fire Commission. Wow. In other words, his people are investigating his clients. <laughs> wow. You tell that to people, and I say, wait a minute, that can't be. Well, yes, it was, and that's exactly what happened. The murder trial, it gets hung up 11 to 1 for guilt on four murders that this guy masterminded. He gets hung up, and we find out months later that one of the jurors has been bought off. She fails to... Uh, cooperate with the other jurors. She won't deliberate. And we go through all of this stuff with them, and we find out later that she's been bought off to the tune of $50,000. Wow. Payments aren't made correctly, and her brother ends up getting shot because he makes the wrong payment to the wrong person. And on and on it goes. And then we have a, a dirty Fed involved that's trying to lay us out. And we're being followed around by our own department because he has accused us of wrongdoing, and he ends up to be the one that gets... Uh, that gets gone after by the, the feds go after him, and he ends up with a bullet in his head. So this stuff goes wow. on over many years. So wow. we have finally put this thing together, and hopefully we're going to get it out in the next couple of months. It sounds like an episode of Sopranos. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that in there, too. <laughs> I mean, we'll it's, it's amazing. And so this book is, is going to be coming out hopefully later this fall or, or, or early next year. Well, I'm trying to do it in coordination with the uh, the show, the documentary coming out in January. So possibly December, maybe January. Um, we also highlight a number of cases, a number of cases in this book that we were involved in. Back in the, the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, my unit handled something like 20 serial killing cases with dozens of suspects and hundreds of victims. And there was a lot going on back in the 70s and 80s that people today, as a new generation, they don't realize it. Right. They don't realize that we had over 1,000 murders in this city in 1992. Wow. And today, if you had 250, people are screaming. We had four times the murder rate back then. Wow. And a lot of things like serial killers. Now you had the advent of DNA, of course. That changed a lot of things, solved a lot of cases. Uh, a lot of other things have changed over the years. We don't have nearly as many people getting murdered. 
uh, a lot of things were murders were even followed back then because you had you didn't have all the uh, the cable news shows today you've got competing cable news 24 7 you had none of that back 30 35 years ago so we'd get all of these murders that went down and you never hear about them so things have, have changed a great deal so, but we're bringing back we're going back generation here and saying it hasn't always been this way it was it used to be a lot worse quite frankly what do you think about new cops and cops who who are newly on the job you know those have been there under 10 years and those that are just coming out of the academy police work in 2017 versus say 25 30 40 years ago right completely different and uh, much of that is for the better I think that uh, cops today are better educated. I think that they have probably much more going for them. However, I think they're also much more disrespected because they're being used as pawns by a lot of people, and you see that all the time. And you get There's been so many examples, and there's so much talk about police brutality and police this and police that. Today, the, the, the police are much better trained. They're not out there to go after people. They're not out there to harpoon somebody for a ticket uh, unless there's a, you know, they targeted a particular intersection or something. They're not over to go after somebody because of the color of their skin or their, the, their religion or their beliefs. They're out there to try to do their job. And I think they, they don't get the credit that they deserve. If you get one bad cop, I mean, you had that horrible incident i think it was in south carolina a year or two ago yeah where here's a cop in uniform shooting a man in the back as he's running away i mean it, it turns your stomach right and then he tries to plant a weapon you know that's all you hear about that's it's one horrible horrible situation when that happens that individual has to be taken out of society and put away for the rest of his life that's one incident now how many other incidents have occurred since then where there's Nothing negative that has occurred. Somebody just doing their job, maybe saving somebody's life. You've got hundreds of thousands of police contacts every year. You're going to only hear about that one negative contact, and that's all you hear about. That's, you know, the human race. Cops are from the human race. That's how they recruit. There's no robocop. That's that's just a movie. Cops are going to screw up every now and again. Uh but you see one incident, one horrible negative incident that turns your stomach, but everybody forgets about all of the positive incidents throughout. So I'm not being an apologist for bad cops. I hate bad cops. Nobody dislikes bad cops more than a good cop. Right. Nobody, if you've got a dirty cop, you've got to get rid of them because, I mean, they're, they're bad for everybody. But these things just don't occur, occur in the, uh, the frequency that, that you you hear on some some shows some some media reports, that's just not the way things are. People, cops are out there and they really give a damn and they're trying to do a job, and there's most of them are suffering for it. Today, the, the, there's a hell of a problem just hiring guys and gals because they don't want they don't want that. You know, I, I know a lot of retired uh, cops and I see them all the time at the gym and we talk and we. We say, you know, I don't, I don't know that we'd even want to be cops today. I don't know that we'd want to do that and put up with all this crap. You need to have the support of the community or you're not going to be effective. And there's just a whole lot of finger-pointing going on, and it, it, there shouldn't be. There's no reason for it because cops, 99.9% are there to do a good job, and I think they do. 
Well, I obviously I agree with that and everything that you said. It is spot on. Listen, we look forward to watching the 48-hour special now. Is it going to be on the – it's going to be this coming Saturday, I, I assume, as we record yeah, this. Yeah, it'll be Saturday the 30th, uh, CBS, 48 hours. Uh, I believe it's 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, probably that out here also. Uh, it's going to be a one-hour special on Simpson. And uh, we'll, uh, the, the end of Sunday will be an interesting day to, when he gets out. I'm sure that everybody will be waiting for him. And once he's out and about, I'm sure that uh, he's not going away. <laughs> Tom, I appreciate the time again, my friend. All right, Clay, you got it. Take care of yourself. Back to wrap up this episode in just a moment. Stay right there. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Good discussion with Detective Lang. Hopefully you check out the 48 Hours special that's going to air this coming weekend. And I am looking forward to getting my hands on that new book that he's working on, Malice in Wonderland. Love that title. And what what a fascinating story about what it is, right? It kind of sounds like an episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, just interesting. Well, the juice will be loose real soon. And at some point, I guess we'll get a chance to see what the new OJ after prison will be like. That should be very interesting. Thank you so much for being with us on the 140th edition of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. I invite you to listen to the Waiting Room podcast as well. Episode 20 is up right now. Check them out. Leave a rating on iTunes if you are an Apple user, which, by the way, I posted something the other day that I always find interesting, and uh, it's that Apple announced a new phone, the new iPhone, what is it, 8? It's eight, right? Yeah, eight. And my phone starts acting up. It, it seems like it happens every time. A new phone is announced and your current iPhone starts crapping the bed. So is it time to move away from the iPhone? Dun, dun, dun. Who knows? All right, guys, have a great one, and we'll catch you next time here on The Clay Young Show. You know where we are, podcast225.com. Tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.